Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. <laughs> I'm Tori Potenza. I'm Garrett Smith. Uh, this is a podcast that profiles B-movie icons. That's right. And uh, we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're at gmail.com. And you can find our podcast on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Which uh, you should also be able to access, I guess, however you get podcasts, correct? Hopefully. Unclear. <laughs> We're still figuring out. Uh, By the time they're this. hearing this, hopefully they know. Yeah, you found it. Yes. So. <laughs> uh and uh, our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today, our B-movie legend is the one, the only, David Patrick Kelly. Yay. DPK. Which, if you do not know him just from his name, you will know him from his very first film credit that yep. we talk about, uh, assuming. Uh, Which is another Wu-Tang reference. Warriors come out to play. Or is Wu Tang references that in okay. like, a song on so their the So the Warriors is a Wu Tang reference. Wu Tang references the Warriors <laughs> in one of their songs. Great. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Uh, yes, David Patrick Kelly is the guy. So that... is this a Wu Tang podcast, this particular episode then? It no? is a Wu Tang podcast. Okay, today. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does the thing where he clanks his fingers together with bottles on them and calls oh. the warriors out yep. in um, Walter Hill. Yep. Walter Hill's movie, The Warriors. Yep. Which, like, even if you haven't seen The Warriors, I feel like it's so hard to not just know that line because of Wu Tang. Well, it, it like that's just like a film line that gets used yeah. so often. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's exclusively because of Wu Tang that you would know that, but it's for sure because of Wu Tang. Oh, we're, okay. we're all agreed here, which is me, basically. <laughs> you, I'm yeah. just like sure, yeah. whatever you say. Uh, so yes, talking about DBK, who we've seen actually like tons of his films, um, even before we talked about doing this episode. He was, was definitely one of the inspirations for this podcast. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the guys that you and I kept being like, I love when he shows up and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of were like, oh, well, that's right. We've seen him in X, Y, and Z. And as we yeah. started connecting those dots, it was like, oh, we should just be, this should be a podcast. Yep. Yeah, because like his two most iconic roles for me were the Warriors and the Crow, and it took me a while to make that connection because there's so many years in between those two roles for him. Right. Um, so like it's really interesting that uh, I'm like, oh yes, I I know that guy. He's he's that guy, um, and it's mostly just because he has like such a distinct voice, and even just like his like physical build. He's like I think he's five six, uh, so he's like. A little dude that packs a punch, you know, like <laughs> he's he is on the smaller side and often plays his size, yeah. which is a thing smaller men don't often do yeah. in film. Mm -hmm. um, in and yeah, well, well, we'll get to it. There, I I'm, I think there are some interesting, funny things about his size that mm -hmm. come up throughout his career. Um, but uh, yeah, and and he is kind of one of those classic that guy actors. Mm -hmm. You definitely have seen him in something, even if you yeah. don't know it. Yeah, there's so many fun movies we're going to talk about today, yeah, um, yeah. and I'm really excited. That's the other thing, is he's got one of those careers that just kind of touches on all kinds of stuff that yeah. I love. I also realized in my notes I didn't actually write how many uh, credits he has on IMDb, so I'm going to do that quickly. Oh, we can find that immediately. Um, so he has... Uh, 70 credits as an actor so um 
it's interesting. I feel like, you know, he's one of those guys that, like, has done so much stuff, but uh, actually has, like, a little bit of a smaller filmography than, um, like, a fair amount of the people we've covered thus far. I was going to say, in the grand scheme of things, he's yeah. got maybe one of the uh, shorter yeah, I mean, it's still a ton lists, of, of yeah. work. But. but it's also, it's like very significant stuff yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get started. Um, so David Patrick Kelly was born January 23rd, 1951 in Detroit, Michigan. He's one of seven children, uh, which is the same as my mom. Uh, I'm assuming he is also from an Irish family and that's like <laughs> such an Irish thing. Uh-huh. Um, he Catholic gra- at least. Right? Yeah, super Catholic, yep. Uh, he graduated cum laude, bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Detroit, um, and he was also a student of uh, Marcel Mar- Maru? Uh, Mar- Marcou? Marcou? Marco? Marco? I'm terrible with French pronunciations. Marcel Marco? And uh, Mira Rostova. Um, so uh, some of the notes I have for from him, just from some of the uh, sources I found, um, after graduating from uh, college, he followed a friend in New York. Um, he took a job uh, making $25 a night at Max's Kansas City, which was a pretty well-known um, like music venue in New York in the 70s. Um, and just like kind of to make money. Uh, he wanted to go to Juilliard um, and didn't have the money. So then he started working uh, or performing at places like CBGB's, uh, another classic uh, venue in the 70s. Uh, so it's kind of cool that he was a part of that scene uh, before he became an actor. Yeah. Uh, I, you have a quote here from him where he says, in 1975, I played clubs all around New York. So I got really, really much better at guitar. Yep. Uh, as one does when they as do one something does. professionally. Um, yeah, actually, we so this actually spurred me to look up his music. Yes, because uh, uh, he he does still play music. He put an album out in like two thousand nine mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Rip Van Boy Man. Uh, which I assume is another reference to his size, that he has always looked like a middle-aged man, but has always been the size of a boy. Mm. Uh, even in, like, his whole career until he, like, went gray, it looked like you were watching the same man. It could have been 20 years apart, mm. and you would not have known it was that gap in time. I don't know why my brain just went like, oh, he should play, like, Rumpelstiltskin, just because that's, <laughs> like, another, like, folklore kind of name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But uh, I listened to this album. You can find it on Spotify. It actually has a couple of tracks recorded at Max's mm. um, from his time. He like remastered, I guess, like some live recordings he had. And that's pretty good. It's like folk music. He has a really, I'm not like crazy about folk music, mm. but he's got a great folk voice. Yeah. I was very surprised, uh, especially one of his songs is about the guy that the documentary Man on Wire is about. Mm, yes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's worth looking up. He's got a really nice voice. Um, so yeah, he was doing performances like that. And then he also started performing off-Broadway and theater productions in the 70s and 80s. I believe um, he's even on some Broadway soundtracks. Yes. Well, we'll talk about okay, some of that okay. later. <laughs> um. But uh, I tried to find, like, there is, like, I don't know how legitimate it is, but it seemed like there was, like, the IMD equivalent of, like, Broadway uh, theater. Um, Again, I don't know how, like, accurate it actually was, but I was, like, trying to see if, like, he 
was in anything that I recognized. Um, and it said on there that he played Eddie in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, interesting. Uh, which was pretty interesting. I would have liked to to see that performance. On Spotify, he's credited on oh, something. I forget. So, yeah, something he has pretty a fair amount of music credits. Yeah. Um, and I think I got all that information in here. You okay. might know some things that I don't, yeah. but you can throw that in. Um so uh, just some kind of more interesting information about him is that he is an avid martial artist uh, with a second degree black belt um, in Sado karate and a practitioner of three forms of Tai Chi, uh, Chen, Yang, and Palm. Um, he is a vegetarian um, and was inspired uh, to become a vegetarian by George Bernard Shaw, Tolstoy, and the Beat Poets, which this is guy. like, all of this makes so much sense to me. He gives off big Beat Poet energy, doesn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, he was like, yeah, it seems like he was just kind of a part of those, like, interesting, like, you know, the beats and, like, you know, the, like, early kind of folk punk scene in New York and it all kind of makes sense to me. And he's like a rhythmic chaotic presence in things which feels like a pretty apt description of the beat scene in general, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of the Beats back in the day. I have a Jack Kerouac tattoo. uh, So, yeah, uh, yeah, very much, like, understand and and love that. He gives off that energy to me, like, in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, yeah, so I have some of those notes here that we were kind of talking about. Um, So Kelly originated the role in... um, of Da in Once on Broadway, uh, which I think it's really interesting that he was involved in Once, because yeah. that's one that I know pretty well, just, mostly probably because it became a film uh, yeah. eventually. Um, and that was awarded uh, the 2012 Tony Award for Best Musical. So he definitely, he's got some musical chops for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, he's a composer and musician, like we talked about. Um and, you know, performing in these, like, kind of legendary venues. Um, and, you know, we talked about Max's and CBGB, but um, Reno Sweeney's and the Lower Manhattan Ocean Club uh, were also a couple of the places that he performed at. Um, he, oh, oh yeah, uh, when I, we couldn't pronounce that guy's name, Marcel Mar- Maru. Uh, he's a, a famous mime uh in paris and that's so he went to paris to like study miming with this guy what? which is fascinating to me um that also that also weirdly makes sense to me uh, he's yeah. like such a physical performer too like he yeah. really uses his body i mean obviously the martial arts yeah, probably plays absolutely. in there too but yeah um and then the chinese director Cheng shi zen um was who he studied asian theater techniques with so uh such an interesting dude and currently still resides in new york city which just feels like the right place for david patrick kelly to reside yeah and like I, I, he just this is so interesting to me that he's like kind of this uh you know renaissance mm-hmm. art, artist you know like uh kind of uh, seems to have touched on a lot of different uh practices and we just happen to know him uh, mm-hmm. from his movie career you know yeah for sure um and so then in uh 1979 he takes his first uh film role as Luther in The Warriors. That is crazy to me that that's his first movie. I know. I was like expecting like that we were going to work up to that role. Right. Um and yeah, that that was his first. Um Absolutely wild to be so memorable in a relatively small role. Yeah. In a kind of cult movie 
that like I think people that have never seen the Warriors are familiar with that. But line he has like yeah, like he has the line yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I think like maybe the second most like quoted line is probably like can you dig it uh from yeah. the other very small character uh Cyrus I think it is that that dies like right at the beginning right, of the film right. um that spurs the whole like you know fucking chase of the warriors mm-hmm. throughout the night in New York um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw this film for the first time like a few years ago, but it was one that like I had heard of from a lot of people. And when I finally sat down and watched it, I was like fucking sucked into the world of this movie. I love this movie. We've watched it uh, a few times. Like it's just I was so say, much fun. I think just fun. in our time dating, we've watched it like twice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw this in college. I think it was just a thing where friends of mine were like, oh, you've never seen this. Yeah. You have to. It's, you know, clear. I mean, it's like. This is one of the more like well-known American cult movies, I mm-hmm. think. I, it might even be... A from mis- director Walter Hill. Yes, from Walter Hill. It yeah. might even be a misnomer to call it a cult movie because it is so kind of popular mm-hmm. in its own right. Um, and is just kind of one of those movies. It's like the epitome of cool. Yeah. You know, uh, is sort of in this alternate New York where that is run by gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing is kind of presented through the lens of like a DJ that's like oh, she's so cool. you know reporting on what the gangs are mm-hmm. doing throughout the night on her radio program with this amazing music playing like yes. which is like the reason you have like such a cool setup for the score and yep. the soundtrack and everything it's yeah. perfect and it's like you know Walter Hill has kind of become one of my favorite he also made a movie called The Driver which has just become one of my all-time favorite movies and yeah, I, I really love this movie. I, you know, I definitely knew David Patrick Kelly's part before I ever saw the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, mostly because of Wu-Tang, but mm-hmm. also because I think you're right that that just has permeated yeah. culture in some weird way. Yeah, and he, you know, we talk about the epitome of cool. Uh, yeah. And it's like, you know, the Warriors are the cool gang. Yes. And like, you know, Swan is like their fucking leader and he's so cool. And David Patrick Kelly is just like a fucking psycho, like, yeah. like crazy chaotic energy in this movie. Um. Like, I always, the other line I always remember is, like, I think at the end when they ask, like, why did you do it? Because he shoots Cyrus and then blames the Warriors for it at right. the beginning. And he just says, like, in the craziest way you could, because I felt like it. Yeah, and, like, yeah. I can't even, like, do his voice. Like, it's so wild the way he just, like, delivers those small lines in the film. He definitely, like, I he, he has a very collaborative energy to yeah. me where... Every character he's ever played sounds like him mm-hmm. in a way that I'm convinced he doesn't just deliver what's written on a page. I, I think he yeah. works and reworks what is there to be more David Patrick Ke- DPK. Yeah. Uh, well, one of one of the things that's interesting is that um, on IMDb they say that his line was something that he came up with. Um, well, like the stories that Walter Hill just said, like come come up with something, mm-hmm. um, and then he talks about it and he. It was like, actually, like, Walter gives me the credit for that. I found the bottles, but he said that I did it all. Uh, It wasn't in the script. Um, It takes credit. I'll take credit for the bottles and how I said it, but I remember him kicking in the lines. Uh, So it is interesting also that there is this whole, like, cult of like, oh, it's like, it was just him. But, like, the bottles are a huge part of that. Like, it also seems like he's downplaying how important, like, all of the work he's doing is like yeah, in yeah. the delivering of this line. Um, yeah, he does say it in the most insane way possible. <laughs> and sure. with the clanking glasses, it's like, oh man, yeah. all of it is so perfect. I can like picture that scene like very distinctly in my mind when I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
he talks about the the role and he said I've always appreciated kind of genre films action films things like that um, he said one of his appreciations for the one scene wonders uh, actors like Eli uh Walsh and Bruce Stern, mm-hmm. um, which makes so much sense. I mean, Bruce uh, Stern is in the driver. Yep. Um, because you can kind of sneak in poetics and comments on the world just in these one lines, which I I really love that sentiment. Yeah. And he, I mean, this is what he does throughout his career, yeah. too. Like, there are not really, I mean, there's a few, but there are not really movies that star David Patrick Kelly. There yeah. are movies where David Patrick Kelly plays the one line wonder. Yeah. You know? Um, and then it sounds like he got the role because he went in for a meeting with Walter Hill and Larry Gordon, and they then went to go see the um, production he was in on Broadway, and he was playing this character character that was this scary homicidal maniac, and he says that's where he thinks that they got the idea to cast him in this role, which yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. It uh, makes a ton of sense yeah. to me. Um, and then a, a very cute thing I found was that he mentioned he has Luther's entire costume, except for the cowboy boots, which he wore until they fell apart. <laughs> Perfect. Very cool. Um, then the same year, he is in a TV film uh, called Sanctuary of Fear, which he was uncredited for. Um, he was uh, an audience member in that film. All right. Uh, and then his next uh, role wasn't until 82. Um, he was in Hammett, uh, credited as The Punk, uh, which is, you know, again, makes a lot of sense for he, David Patrick Kelly. Yep. He, I mean, I know we were saying he gives off big beat poet energy, but uh, that, that punk rock spirit, I think, is in there, too. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, oh, this is a uh, Wim Wenders movie. Uh, Wim Wenders is um, the guy that did Wings of Desire. Am I right about that? Wim Wenders. Uh, yeah, Wings of Desire, Paris, Texas. Yeah, a uh, very famous director. Yeah, and this... Uh, oh, yeah, the, there was like an interesting note about this. So this is a, a fictional account of the real-life mystery writer Dashiell Hammett, mm. which makes a lot of sense. Um, and That's cool. Peter yeah. Boyle is in this. Yeah, very, very cool. I would like to see this. Yeah. Um, and then also that year, he was in a film called 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and uh, Nick Nolte. And he also plays a character named Luther in this movie. <laughs> and I believe this is also directed by Walter Hill. Also so directed by Walter very, Hill. Very, very interesting. Yes. Uh, so... There are, we'll we'll see like as his career goes on. There are several directors that have worked with him several times, um, yeah. and I think we talked a little bit about why we think that is. Um, just kind of being this like guy that you can throw into these interesting character roles, um, and he'll do like a great job of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's like somebody you can trust with like here he's got two lines on the page, but like yeah. we need him to pop, yeah. and you know you can kind of give it to him. Yeah, I, I just wanted to check this really quick. I thought I was right about this. Uh, 48 Hours is Eddie Murphy's first uh, movie credit. Oh, really? This That's was, interesting. This is the movie that transitioned him from SNL star to movie star. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. That yep. That's interesting. And, and the stories about this movie, like Walter Hill has, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I, I seem to remember, I, I've read a lot of Walter Hill interviews over the mm-hmm. years, that this is like one of those cases of like, we cast Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy was looking to be cast in a movie. Like mm-hmm. it, he wanted his career to upgrade to that yeah. next level. And he was like, I, I, like the project was really just trying to rein him in that. He was like this boundless energy, this young kid that had been given the keys to the SNL kingdom yeah. comes in trying to start a movie career off of his big comedic energy and persona and them having to figure out how to like rein all that energy yeah. into like an on-screen persona. Yeah, because you know? it's such a different experience. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then in 1984, he was in a film called Dreamscape, uh, which we watched, uh, that stars uh, Christopher Plummer, Dennis Quaid, and Max von Sydow, which uh, R.I.P. Christopher Plummer just yes. recently passed away, so it was also really nice to uh, see a movie with him in it. But, man, this movie was, like, very good. Holy shit. Why is everyone not constantly talking about Dreamscape? Yeah. So this is, like... I don't know, like kind of like Inception-y before Inception. Yes, very much. Uh, so Dennis Quaid it becomes a part of this program to kind of invade people's dreams because he um, has kind of these telekinetic-like abilities. Yeah, they they sort of loosely imply that there's like some science behind telepathy yeah. and that he is exceptionally talented in that regard. Yeah. Um, so then he starts invading people's dreams and as a way to like kind of like help remedy like people's like psychological issues. Which right. was, so he like helps this little kid who um, is having like these terrifying nightmares. Yes. He helps, um, uh, I think his first, like one of his first gigs is helping a husband who like, can't get aroused oh, great. Uh, yes. during sex Forgot and about this. so they try to figure out like why he can't have sex with his wife that's right uh who's like gorgeous yeah, and right, he's yeah. like this like tiny little like shrimp dude uh which is really funny i forgot about that um but then you know th- we were like oh this is like a, such an interesting film for um uh, david patrick kelly to be in and it's because he kind of is like dennis quaid's rival where yes. he uh, and takes it to the next level where he's the one that starts realizing oh you can kill people in their dreams yeah i mean he just straight up is like i need to be the one that is number one the best at this mm-hmm. and if i'm not i will use this power for yeah. ill which interesting that he's a martial artist as well because there is a part yeah. of like one of the dream sequences where he's in full like uh I don't know, like martial artist gear uh, fighting Dennis Quaid. I think on like a subway car is like where they end up in the dream, which is really funny. Yeah, I mean, so this movie, uh, Chuck Russell was involved with this movie and Chuck Russell is also who I believe did the, is credited as like the story for Dream Warriors. Oh yes, we talked about that. Yeah, the uh, which is the third um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And what's interesting about Dreamscape is it comes out the year the same year that the original Nightmare on Elm Street Mm -hmm. comes out. And this movie literally features people going into nightmares as well as somebody with knives for fingers. Yeah, I... I think it's David Patrick Kelly that, like, grows the knives, right? Like, at the end. He might be. I can't remember, but yeah, probably. Um, But, like... Yeah, it's wild because we're like, oh, this has to have been like ripping off Friday or Nightmare on Elm Street. And then it was like, oh, no, like these two things came out like around the same time, which is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. This, you know, they have their, they're both 1984 movies. Dream Warriors ends up being a few years after this. And to me, feels like a, like an expansion of the ideas in this movie. For sure. Um, Which, you know, has got to be thanks to the involvement of um, uh, Chuck Russell. Because that's so awesome, too, because then, like, Dream Warriors is when they were like, oh, we can fight him in our dreams. Right, like, we can become superheroes in our dreams, which is kind of what this movie is also doing. Kind of the premise of in this a different movie. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, this movie eventually gets into the idea of like corporate espionage yeah, being carried like out Yeah, it's like government conspiracies and like Christopher Plummer is like the shadowy government figure that's kind of behind it. Right. And he's the one that's also like kind of the puppeteer for David yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Kelly's character. And like, causing him to like do harm in these dreams yeah i mean i was a big fan of this movie oh me too this was super fun it's really dumb in a great fun way 
Uh, and it's really, I thought, like well directed. Like it's yeah. just a good, fun, weird special effects yeah. movie from the eighties. Is one problematic scene where Dennis Quaid decides he's going to invade the dream of the woman he's into yes. and decides to like have sex with her in yes. her dream, yes. and it was like so fucking cringy. The idea of dream consent is like something I never wanted to have to think about, <laughs> and the movie like forced me to confront. And then I was like, well, "Holy shit, we have to talk about this." Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like. Uh, Oh, David Patrick Kelly also has this whole backstory where he like killed his parents and stuff. In oh this yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Right. There's it like, all works so well. There's like a sort of hints of um, you know what? I feel like Ryan Johnson is probably a fan of this movie because there's like some things in this movie that feel like they might have influenced a bit of Looper and the creation of that villain character and Looper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then uh, the same year, we don't do too, too much TV, but um, he is in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, which I fucking love. And there are so many awesome actors that have been on it. Um, But he plays like a graphic designer who realizes that he's slowly ceasing to exist. Uh, And I don't know if I've seen this episode or not. It doesn't sound too familiar. And I've watched a decent amount. So now I like need to go find this episode. That is so funny. Um, and then in 1985, we get another uh, fucking classic role. Uh, he plays Sully in Commando, another which movie... we saw last year for the first time. Yeah, another movie you and I have watched like two or three times since <laughs> seeing it. Holy shit. Commando is like the best fucking movie I've never, that, that I hadn't seen. Yeah. And it makes so much sense that he is in it. He's like part of like the gang that like, uh, uh, captures um Alyssa Milano daughter, who, yeah. yeah who's his daughter um and they're all these very distinct looking dudes but he's like the one that's wearing like a fucking zoot suit like yep. he's got this like black like pinstripe he's, suit he's wearing he's a tiny man that they are overemphasizing how tiny he is by yeah. putting him in an oversized suit and putting him next to giant people so that then they can put him next to Schwarzenegger in a sequence where they want us to believe that the villains have assigned David Patrick Kelly mm-hmm. to ensure that Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. gets on a plane without escaping. Yeah. It's amazing that he didn't just like pop his head off, you yeah. know. <laughs> but I love that the movie. I kind of love that the movie like like just lets us go. Like, yeah, 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 that that's believable. That'll happen. Well, there's this amazing line where he says, "I forget what he says to Schwarzenegger," but then he goes, "Haha, you're funny. I'll kill you last." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, later in the movie, Schwarzenegger's holding him over a cliff, and he says, remember when I told you I would kill you last? I lied. <laughs> and then drops him off a cliff. It's amazing. And yeah, like, because Dan Patrick Kelly is, like, such a weird uh, moment in this movie, too, where, like, he drops Schwarzenegger off on the airplane yes. and then proceeds to, like, harass some woman that works at the airport who then becomes Schwarzenegger's, like, sidekick yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I, I believe that's Tommy Chong. Chong's daughter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Dong Chong, I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, I believe you are right. But like yeah. wild. Like all, all of those events are so weird. And you're like, why is this happening? And then she just becomes a part of the movie because Schwarzenegger's like, hey, I need you to go follow this guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, man, I this movie is like way more fun than a movie this dumb should be. But that's like kind of why it's so fun. It just seems to be fully aware of what a stupid fucking movie it is and having fun being a yeah. stupid fucking movie. Oh, what's the the guy that like is his arch nemesis in the movie? Oh, oh Bennett. Name? Bennett. <laughs> I mean, that's who's, the character's name. Who's like this, you know, 
very regular looking dude that's also wearing like a S&M outfit that doesn't fit him properly and we're supposed to believe that he's like an adequate component like co- what am I trying to say? Opponent. Uh, yeah. An adequate like, opponent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his name is Vernon Wells. That's the actor's name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely one of the funnier Schwarzenegger finales. It's hilarious. Is that this, like, not to be dismissed, uh, uh, not to sound offensive in my description of Vernon Wells, but to see a just generally pudgy white guy like go up against Arnold Schwarzenegger and we're supposed to believe that these guys are like formidable like like, foes that's an ill-fitting costume like why is he wearing it it doesn't make any sense yeah and like they're also like very sexually attracted to each other oh for sure this movie's got like so aroused at the idea of murdering him it's hilarious this movie has big like secret gay energy to me so much secret gay energy yeah um and then we uh, just watched this last night in 1987. He is in the Misfit Brigade uh, with Oliver Reed and, oh man, who's the other main guy? That's David Carradine. Like, David Carradine, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, which this, uh, just before we talk about the movie, um, David Patrick Kelly has a credit for being a, f- uh, a stager for one of the fight sequences in this movie. Totally makes sense to me. I knew exactly what scene it was yep. when it happened because mm-hmm. he takes down a man twice his size yeah. with like a very like karate roll move, you yeah. know? Uh, oh, man. So this is a wild movie uh, that I think the other name for it was Wheels of Terror, yeah. which doesn't make as much sense when you watch the movie, but like, but does great name. feel more like the exploitation vibe yes. that the movie has? So it's a film about the Misfit Brigade, which is a... Um, a brigade of soldiers in the Nazi army that is made up entirely of prisoners that have somehow been coerced into fighting for the Nazis. So all of them are technically like Germans and Nazis. Yeah, like, I mean, so the, yeah, it's so hard to explain the premise of this movie. But because like they've all like they are all, I believe, meant to sort of be explicitly yeah. anti-Nazis. Yes, that the reason they are prisoners of the Nazi party is. You know, they've done something, quote unquote, illegal in the eyes of the Nazi party. So, like, one of the guys is, like, a Marxist. Another is Christian. David Patrick Kelly's character, he says, is Muslim. Right. And he has uh, two wives, so he's polygamist as well. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, all of these are dudes that have, like, done something against the Nazi party and, like, are not okay with the general... They, like they upper are echelon of very yeah. specific that they don't like the SS. Yes. They, uh, but anyway, and so like the movie is essentially that they are like conscripted by the Nazi party to essentially it seems like they offer them like, hey, we'll shorten your sentences yeah. if you fight the war. Yeah. And they're fighting against like the Russians. So we're like, the, oh, OK. Movie, like we don't like the Russians either. The it's movie fine. comes out in 1987 and it yeah. very much feels to me like. Somebody wanted to write a movie where the Nazis were quote unquote the heroes of the movie. Yeah. But in order to do that and then sell it to an American audience, it's got to be that they are actually Nazi prisoners yeah. who are fighting Russians who are our current enemy. Yeah. So any American audience watching it doesn't have to feel like, oh, these guys are killing people I don't yeah. want them to kill, you know? It could only be an exploitation movie. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. wild. And by the way, it's a pretty good one. I actually yeah, like this movie a lot. It's very fun. And yeah. uh, David Carradine yes. is like the... Uh, like a Nazi general? Yeah, like he's the one the that's... The colonel, maybe, or yeah, something? Yeah, I think he's the colonel. And then uh, Oliver Reed shows up 
literally for five minutes at yeah, the end in the finale in the in the very finale just to like tell them off and yeah. like bitch slap someone with his glove yeah like, he does, it does that moment because of all the stories i've ever heard about oliver reed being like an absolute maniac i read yeah. a quote from him the other day where i i believe like towards the end of his life which you know ended kind of abruptly uh he said his only regret was that he did not drink more bars till they closed and fuck more women oh my god yeah because like uh he was in the brood and i know that like he got caught like drunk driving or like he got into trouble related to alcohol he was like like, an insurance liability towards the end of his career It's wild, and like it, it, he looks a little sad in this movie too. Like he's very red faced and just like he's like limping, look... and it's not clear whether that's a character choice or just yeah. because Oliver Reed is limping this week. Yeah, I mean he's like such a fantastic actor that yeah. just like really fell to his vices. But and... he straight up takes his glove off and slaps a guy at one point, and yeah. I'm convinced that that was not a scripted thing. That that was just drunk Oliver Reed being like, hey, "You want me in your movie? I'm gonna slap this kid." <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, really fun movie, and um, you know the whole cast is really good. Really we, like, good. We really enjoyed all of them. Yeah, and I mean, uh, David Patrick Kelly is really good at being in these kind of like quirky ensembles. Of, yes. just of folks. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of his more significant, quote unquote, like lead roles. Yeah. And as you're saying, it's like it's not even that; it's an yeah. ensemble movie. Yeah. So he's just like part of the larger. He's also cast. like very blonde in this yes. movie, yes. Uh, which I've never seen him. Oh, and then in the it, later in the film, they also insinuate that like maybe he doesn't have like a dick anymore like yeah. it got cut off in yeah prison. there's a weird uh, implication that he was beautified in prison yeah. is like the way he says it or it's something like that so odd there are so many interesting quirks to the yeah. character that he is playing where i'm like man how much of this is like you adding stuff to your character that's what i mean all of his characters feel that yeah. way to me like when they introduce him in this movie which is a great scene it's the scene where he fights one of the guys in the there are tanks spills his wine yeah yeah, they're a tank brigade, by the way. Yeah. It's like the thing. And and yeah, so he's like one of the guys in the tank brigade spills his wine and he's very specific that he drinks wine. He does not drink beer. Yep. They call him a bigamist when he reveals that he's got more than one wife mm-hmm. and he corrects them that he's a polygamist because he's Muslim. Yep. It's like he just he's got all these weird things that he does in yeah. that first scene where I'm like. You wrote this. Like, this was yep. not in this script. You invented all of this for this character. It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, kind of just continues with the weird roles that yeah. he does. But this is like, I think we watched this on Amazon Prime, maybe. And this is one of those movies where... Tubi. If, Tubi, that's where it was. If you're into exploitation movies, I can't recommend this enough. Yeah. If you're not into exploitation movies, I probably can't recommend this at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're into them, it's really fun. I, I yeah. liked it quite a bit. Um, another thing that's kind of interesting is like a lot of uh, the people we do on the show like have um, a lot of roles where they're just kind of like bit characters that aren't in the film a lot. And I feel like most of his roles are like pretty significant, uh, yeah. which I found really interesting. Like he he gets like I think like one of the top bill people on this film in particular yeah um so then uh the following year 1988 he's in a film called cheap shots i was trying to find this one for us to watch did you read the premise of this movie i'm sure i did but please uh please remind me okay uh the owner of a sleazy hotel along with his friend decides to videotape a room that is rented by a sexually active couple 
Inadvertently recording their murders, the men are soon faced with a dilemma as the killers come looking for the tape. I know you you were like, oh, this is one I would watch. And I was like, yeah, I would watch this too. It sounds really weird. I mean, that is an inherently problematic premise that makes me kind of desperate to see this movie and yeah. see what it is and how it deals with these weird Absolutely. things that it's doing. I mean, like the idea that they only become faced with a dilemma when these killers come looking for the tape. It's like, mm-hmm. no, your dilemma was that you tried to tape some people having sex. Yeah, it's like, You're already ooh, in a dilemma, guys, my guys. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's the 80s. It's, it's like, kind of, like, morally ambiguous, That's right? That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, 1989, he is in Penn & Teller Get Killed as the fan, uh, which always... I've never seen any Penn & Teller stuff. I've seen Penn and Teller stuff. I've not seen this movie, which like is one of their you know kind of like interesting, unique ones. Mm, um, okay. Just because the, the the premise for this one is like kind of weird. Um, I will uh, I'll, I'll get the IMDb thing for you here. So uh, Penn and Teller enjoy playing jokes on each other. When Penn says on an interview show that he wishes he has someone threatening his life so that he wouldn't sweat the small stuff. Each of them begins a series of pranks on each other to suggest a real threat. So it's like huh. them, like, sort of pulling magic pranks on each. Uh, th- it's uh, it's weird. Okay, it's a really weird Interesting. one. Interesting. I was I wasn't like into the whole like dudes doing magic thing. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is also like I, I don't know how to describe this, but like I, I believe this one is like a a like faux documentary kind of. Mm-hmm. Like okay. they're playing themselves. Okay. But it's definitely a fictional plot that they've made up. Okay. But they're, yeah, I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then we get to his career in the 90s. And in 1990, he is in Wild at Heart, uh, the David Lynch movie with Nick Cage, Laura Dern, and William Dafoe. Uh, I and love his, this movie. I love this movie. His character is called Drop Shadow, apparently. <laughs> um, and he's part of like William Dafoe's gang. So right. I don't really remember him fin- like great in this. I actually uh, agree with you. I feel like Dafoe is so big in this movie. He's so weird. That I do not recall David yeah. Patrick Kelly specifically, but it's only because we watched this like a, a while ago now. Yeah, we like early last year, yeah. um, which like loved this movie. But yeah, it was like one of those movies where it's like you have you got Nick Cage, you got Willem Dafoe, you got and all these Laura Dern. They're all doing such big, big acting stuff. Yeah. Where I was like, I was like not thinking of David Patrick yes, Kelly at all, right. yeah. <laughs> um, which you know is unfortunate. Now that I know he was in that, I'm like, fuck, I need to watch that. And it makes a lot of sense because um, this was his first film with Lynch. And uh, I found a quote for him where he was talking about it. And he was like, while they were doing Wild at Heart, they wrote him into Twin Peaks. That totally makes which sense. Which makes a lot of sense. And I love that like David Lynch was kind of like, just like, I like this guy. I want him in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, spoilers. But uh, if you've seen Twin Peaks, then you have seen David Patrick Kelly. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, uh, in 1990, he does a film called The Adventure of Ford Fairlane, which I know we also tried to find. Um, yeah. You know why I wanted to watch this more than anything, actually, is that Rennie Harlan directed this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and Rennie Harlan, uh, is like, uh, mostly known as like an action director, but the thing that you are most familiar with probably that he's directed that I really like is he is the director of a nightmare on Elm street four, I believe. Oh, which is interesting because Robert England is in this movie. Yes. Uh, okay. bu- 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 
right? Aren't I right about that? Uh, keep talking. I'm okay. going to figure this out. Uh, yeah, so uh, this was a film with Robert England and yeah. Wayne Newton as well as uh, David Patrick Kelly. I'm correct. He's Nightmare on Elm Street 4. That's the one that really turns Freddy into like a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to direct Die Hard 2. Um, you, you've not seen that no. one, I think, right? Yeah, uh, which is pretty good. That's a good sequel. Um, he does a bunch of stuff though. Cutthroat Island, The Lunkiest Goodnight. He's like, he does a ton of yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, he continues working working with these really interesting genre directors. Yeah. Um, um and I wanted to see this in particular because um, uh, you know, Rennie Harlan directs it, but then also it stars Andrew Dice Clay, mm. who is like a famous stand up comedian um that you're probably familiar with, Tori, but I don't know how to describe him to you other than he's the guy that's famous for hey oh I'm Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, he's okay. like that character so is he's... like basically comes from him. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I wanted to see this because that is just a very weird combination of people. Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay, Rennie Harlan. I think it's like a TV movie, it looks like. It's just a, a weird combination of people. Uh, yeah. And then uh, from 1990 to 1991, uh, David Patrick Kelly uh, is on Twin Peaks as Jerry Horn. Yeah. Um, so he is uh, one of the Horn brothers uh, that run the the inn in Twin Peaks. Um kind of just like to talk about his character a little bit before we talk about him in the show. Um, he based Jerry Horn on Ayn Rand's uh, Atlas Shrugged. Uh, he said this idea of the virtue of selfishness uh, and the National Enquirer version of the Kennedy brothers. That's so funny. Um, if you read that and believed every bad thing about the Kennedy brothers, that was in there. That's what I tried to do. That's so funny. And like gives me an interesting perspective yeah. <laughs> on the Horn brothers that I did not think about while watching that yeah. show. Um, he also talked about how he, uh, based this character on a, like, you know, rich, uh, New York restaurateur that he, like, knew of. Okay. And would, like, go, like, to the restaurant and, like, spy, like, spy on this guy, essentially. Whoa. To, like, like, work on his character, which I really love that idea. Because Jerry Horn, like, comes in, he's dressed, like, really crazy. Like, again, like, really interesting suits. Uh, and then, um, also, like... Like, is crazy about food, uh, yeah. so he does have all these interesting moments where he's just eating things <laughs> that look ama- look and sound amazing. <laughs> well, and it's also like uh, his brother Ben, who's like the more significant character yes. on the show. Yeah. Ben feels like a, uh, I mean, this is a weird thing to say about this character, but like a legitimate businessman that knows how to conduct himself in, um, you know, uh, high powered meetings with people and mm. stuff. Where Jerry feels like a fucking loose cannon, yeah. but Jerry's loose cannon energy is something that Ben really responds to, and that Jerry seems to offer to Ben. It's it's just a very interesting dynamic yeah. that I feel like only comes from David Patrick Kelly mm. doing this collaborative thing that he does, where he's like, "Look, if we're gonna do this character, I want to bring in all of these other yeah. kind of like sources for how I create this character for well, you." Well, it makes sense too because he's the one that's like the the brother that travels. He's yeah. like making the deals with yeah. all these people. I forget are they new Norwegians yes. that yeah, are yeah, in right. the the hotel? The Swedes, the Norwegians, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And so they're trying to make deals with them, and so they gotta like wine. He's and a he's them. the schmoozer. Yeah, yeah, which is such an interesting. He's role like the party him. animal he's yeah. like yeah yeah absolutely um and he also mentioned that he made a lot of suggestions as far as like costume and props um he said the agnes b suit uh was his that he still has so funny um the smoked cheese pig uh, was his idea um a custom pipe uh that has since vanished 
uh, he has a has a green fur fedora that he wore as well. I kind of remember that. Uh, so it's also funny that a lot of these are things that he just kind of like owned and knew about and added to the character, which again, like makes a lot of makes sense. Makes so much sense yeah. to me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, such a fun, uh, weird, chaotic energy. I mean, most of his characters are just adding this different chaotic energy, but like such a fun character to add to like Twin Peaks. <laughs> he, I mean, it's the reason that I'm surprised I don't remember him in Wild at Heart because he yeah. is such a gravitational like force whenever he's on screen yeah, in movies. Exactly. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's like very weird that I'm yeah. like, man, it can only be that there were so many other big yeah. performances. Right. Um, in 1991, uh, he's in a film called A Marriage, Georgia O'Keefe and Alfred uh, Stieglitz, um, and he plays Ansel Adams, the the famous like photographer, which is interesting. That is interesting. Wow, this movie doesn't have like a ton of information about no, it No, it doesn't. Um, then in 1992, he does Firewalk With Me, but um, all of his scenes were deleted. Uh, so I was wondering that, too. I was like, I don't really remember him being in Firewalk With Me, but we just got the Criterion, and I think those deleted scenes are on there. So we yeah, I mean, there's like that. 90 minutes of deleted footage yeah. on that Blu-ray. Um, which makes sense that his character might be in there because uh, he kind of runs the, what's it? Uh, One-Eye Jacks. Jacks. Yeah. Um, and then in uh, 1992, he was in Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, uh, which I have not seen Malcolm X. I have not. It's, uh, you know, one of my great regrets is that I have, there's like, probably like too much Spike Lee that I have not seen. Uh, me too. Um, yeah. I've seen, you know, a, a few of the significant things. Um uh, uh, I mean, I actually, I love 25th Hour. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I have movie. seen that one, it's yeah. Like one of the better post-9-11 yeah. movies, I think. Um, yeah, but... I just like Ed Norton a lot, so that's why I saw yeah. that movie. Um, why am I having trouble thinking of, like, the title of, like, his movie? Um, I keep wanting to call it That Thing You Do, but that's that fucking Tom Hanks-directed movie. Um do the right thing. That's yeah, what do I'm the right thing. Yep. Uh, love that movie. But yeah, I mean, I've not seen Malcolm X, and it is interesting to find out that that's how, because these guys end up having a pretty significant relationship yeah. together as well. They, they go on to do a bunch mm-hmm. of movies. Yeah, in 1994, he played a significant role in Spike Lee's Crooklyn, uh, which was another one we tried to find, but isn't super available, yeah, unfortunately. Like, uh, that's the other thing, is I actually went looking for some of these movies so that we could catch up with them, mm-hmm. and these were actually a little bit hard to find. Yeah. Um, and then in the same year, he plays T-Bird in The Crow, which uh, I was a, like, you know, gothy emo kid in middle school, high school. My parents really loved, like, The Cure and Depeche Mode and shit. So I remember I had this on, like, VHS, and my dad let me borrow the graphic novel, uh, uh-huh. The Crow, too. Um, so I saw this at a very young age and, like, really attached to this movie, like a lot of fucking, like, emo kids did uh, who are around my age, I'm sure. Um, so it was fun to rewatch it uh, because you had never seen it before. I didn't see it until last week when we watched it, but I'm a big Alex Proyas fan, yeah. the guy that directed this movie. Yeah. And I was a big fan of this movie, as I expected to be. Yeah. I just think this guy's a tremendous director. He's a really good visual storyteller. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, Brandon Lee's big role, uh, Bruce Lee's son, um, yeah. who Brandon Lee tragically dies yeah. also yeah. Uh, while filming this. Yep. Um, so it's it was... Uh, 
it was again it was one of those movies where we were watching it specifically because this was a David Patrick Kelly movie right but because Brandon Lee was like really charismatic and fun, I kept just thinking about like the career he would have had and yep. also just like how much he reminded me of his dad. Even his like smile is very similar to his dad. Well, you and I like just got into Bruce Lee as well. Yeah. We bought that Criterion set. We've mm-hmm. only seen a couple of those so far, but we have yeah. seen a couple of them and really, really like Bruce Lee. Yeah. And uh, so watching Brandon Lee was kind of extra sad in the in the wake of kind of discovering how much we like mm-hmm. his dad. And then also, like, I mean, not for nothing, but, uh, you know, uh, you and I are about the same age. I remember growing up and mostly knowing this movie as something that is kind of cheesy, Mm. mostly knowing that, like, Brandon Lee died on set making it, and that people who are kind of, like, critical of this movie think that he's not very good in it anyway. Mm. And that blew my fucking mind when we finally watched it, because I think he's great I think he's great, too. But it's also a movie that, like, there are several sequels. I mean, he's not in any of yeah, them. Of course, but, yeah. like, it's it's a film that, like, definitely, like, spurred on more oh, yeah, movies. Oh, th- yeah. This has its own following, yeah. for sure. Um, and I was glad when we rewatched it where I was like, no, I, like, do still like this movie. Because I feel like there was a part of me, like, with my insecure, like, you know, middle school, high school self was like, oh, man, this is a movie I, like, probably loved and, like, am going to watch now and be like, oh, man, this, like, kind of sucks. And that was not the case no, at all. It's good, cheesy fun. And- yeah. And uh, it's just really well directed. Yeah. I, I love the way Proyas movies look. Ernie Hudson is great in this movie. Yeah. He plays the the main cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I girl, love the yeah. young girl is really young good girl's in really it. good. I, I and I just like seeing Ernie Hudson in lead roles. He's yeah. you know being the quote you know being known as the black Ghostbuster. He kind of like I feel like his whole career has been like a little bit short shrift. And this movie feels like it, like really lets him be like yeah. kind of one of the lead performances of the movie. Yeah, there's a great scene with him and Brandon Lee when yeah. uh, he comes into his house and they just kind of have like a frank conversation about like um, you know what happened to Brandon Lee's girlfriend because this is like kind of a rape revenge movie, yeah. um, which I've been kind of doing some research on rape revenge, so it was also interesting watching it in that context too, yeah. and actually seeing some like stuff that's kind of interesting and like I really enjoy about this movie as a rape revenge film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, specifically this idea of like actually feeling the trauma another person went to yeah uh, which comes up a couple times in this yeah I mean the the I guess not to spoil the movie the the finale like hinges on this idea of sharing the trauma yeah. that you may have caused yeah. and um, or experiencing the trauma you yeah. know um, and uh, yeah that I because when we went into it, you were like, oh, this is the kind of rape revenge movie that I am very wary of. Yeah, when it's like the guy that's avenging the woman, yeah. it typically feels like it's a man protecting his property, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I think is super problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, even though the woman dies at the beginning and isn't a big part of the film, it felt so much more like it was hinged on like true love yeah. and um, just like, and just like actually understanding what a person went through, mm-hmm. um, which is not something that I think typically happens in these kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really interesting when you brought that up. Yeah. Um, um, and then, yeah, I mean, David Patrick Kelly is the leader of the gang that, um, you know, rapes and murders uh, Brandon Lee's character and his girlfriend. Um, 
and he makes so much sense as this gang yeah. leader. It does, it's interesting, it does kind of feel like an extension of his character in, like, The Warriors or something, yep. where he is just this, like, chaotic group leader. Um, they all, like, hang out at this one bar and, like, swallow bullets. Yes. Uh, I remember, like, and they're like, fire it up, is their, like, big, like, thing <laughs> Again, that they say to each this other. this feels like a thing that could not possibly have been written into a script. Yeah. It feels like David Patrick Kelly came up with, like, was drinking with Oliver Reed while making that World War II movie he was in. And, and Oliver was Reed's like, like Fire you're going to swallow Fire this it bullet. Up. Yeah, and like, he's just like, oh, we got to bring this into the movie, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, really fun rewatching this movie. Uh, I liked this movie a lot. Yeah, for sure. Big discovery for me. Um, and then the following year, 1995, he does a film called Heavy uh, with Liv Tyler and Debbie Harry. Um, he is credited as Gray Man in Hospital, uh, okay. which is so interesting. Um, and yeah, this sounded like kind of a weird movie. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about this. Uh, the life of an overweight, unhappy cook is changed after a kind, beautiful college dropout comes to work as a waitress at his, him and his mother's roadside restaurant. Oh my God. Uh, this is written and directed by James Mangold. James Mangold goes on to make Logan. Uh, as well as Walk the Line. Uh, he did that movie Ford v. Ferrari last year. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he's and he's going to be making the new Indiana Jones movie. Oh. He made Copland. Oh, shit, okay. Which we both liked we quite like a bit. Copland. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, James Mangold's a great filmmaker. Um, oh, this was his first movie. No, oh, there you go. Makes sense. Interesting. Uh, and then in 1995, he's in a film called Cafe Society with Peter Gallagher and Lara Flynn Boyle, who is also from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting one that I need to note for listeners. I went looking for this one as well because we are big Lara Flynn Boyle fans. I happen to really like Peter Gallagher. Yes. Um, there is a movie called Cafe Society from more recent years which is kind of the only thing that comes up when you try to find this movie. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Cafe Society is necessarily, like the more recent one is like a really good or well-liked movie. I just, I know I know that name, but I don't know anything about that. Um, but uh, fun fact, uh, Peter Gallagher is married to my mom's cousin, so he's kind of part of my family, Whoa. even though I've never met him before. Oh, I like that, dude. <laughs> yeah, okay, I thought this was the case. Cafe Society, the one that comes up every time you look it up, is yeah. a Woody Allen movie um... that stars Jesse Eisenberg and um, uh, Kristen Stewart. Uh, gotcha. Which, uh, pro oh, and Steve Carell. Oh, and Cheryl Lee is in this movie. Okay, so there's actually lots of reasons to maybe actually kind of want to see this movie. Except uh, for Woody Allen. Uh, yeah, that's the big uh, that's the big downfall there is I don't really want to watch that, but I actually, I've told you this before, Eisenberg and Stewart have like incredible chemistry on screen. Yeah, I know. And I kind of would like to see it just to watch that full play out again. Anyway, needed to note for listeners that there is a different cafe society, but you yes. can't really find this it. This is the 95 one. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to find. And then in 1996, he's in a film called The Funeral with Christopher Walken, which is directed by Abel Ferreira, which I didn't realize and was like, oh, fuck, we like have also really started to like Abel Ferreira. Um, yes, in because of Miss 45. Miss 45 is so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm love that he has worked with so many interesting filmmakers in general, but yep. also specifically some interesting like genre filmmakers. Yes. And I, this was another one. I tried to find The Funeral. This is hard to find right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Um I know some people that have seen it and seem to like it. It's it's something I would really like to check out. Yeah, and I don't think he has a huge role in this one, but I would still be interested in seeing it just because of all of the other elements to it. Um, 
And then in 1998, he does a TV movie of Twelfth Night uh, that has Paul Rudd, Kira Sedgwick, and Holly Hunter in it. May I note that we skipped Last Man Standing from oh, 1996. Sorry. Oh, and yes. The only reason I'd like to note it is because uh, Walter Hill oh, directed shit. that yeah, as well. I totally So this is like his third Walter Hill movie. Yeah, I was waiting for our next Walter Hill, and then I totally <laughs> went over it. It's all right. Um, and that has um, Bruce Dern in it. Sure does. And uh, Bruce Willis, yep. uh, which is really fun. Yeah. I've um, never seen that one, actually. I, I would really like to see that yeah, movie. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, yeah, I, now I'm like, oh, crap. There are actually like, a lot of Walter Hill movies that I didn't know about. <laughs> His career is like pretty wild, actually. Yeah, um, yeah and then uh, he does Twelfth Night uh, with that insane cast, which I think is so interesting. And I don't think I've seen any performances of Twelfth Night or read it, um, but he plays um, Festy, uh, which I don't really know that character, but mm. if if you like uh, Shakespeare, maybe you do. Yeah. Um, and then in 1999, he does a film called In Too Deep that has is a, uh, a Michael Reimer movie uh, with Omar Epps, LL Cool J, and Stanley Tucci, uh, which Whoa. is such an interesting cast. That is a crazy cast. Nia Long's in this movie? Well, very interesting. Yeah, and uh, can you... Pam get... Greer's in this movie. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you want me to read the... Uh... Yeah. Plot synopsis. Uh, right out of Police Academy, uh, Jeff, played by Omar Epps, it looks like, starts uh, as an undercover cop in Cincinnati. First, it's small time cases, but he proves himself and moves up to a big case, befriending a brutal crime boss. Ooh. Sounds very 1999. Yeah. And then uh, we get to uh, David Patrick Kelly's career in the 2000s. Um, and in 2001, he is in the movie K Pax with Kevin Spacey, Boo, and yeah. Jeff Bridges. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, I've never seen K Pax, but it's definitely like a, a no, name I know and the poster for some reason I like know very well. This is one of those movies that I feel like I've seen, yeah. but I can't really remember. And it was like definitely. Very, I can't remember if it was actually popular when it came out, but it was like advertised a lot when it came out. Like, yeah. and it was like both very well known and a big fucking punchline because I, be- yeah. I believe it's just like Kevin Spacey is maybe or maybe not an alien. He's like a guy that's yeah. claiming to be an alien, okay. and people are like, I don't know if he's re- if that's real or not. <laughs> okay, I was like, I know there's a reason I have to like yeah. know that. Um, in 2003, he does a film called Justice. Uh, what is Justice? I know it's. I th- yeah, you're looking at it. So. A comic strip writer in NYC mm. still grieving over the death of a friend in 9-11 gets his publisher to agree to a limited run of Justice, a comic book about an ordinary person who is a hero. Okay. Oh, but it's like, oh, interesting. So it's about like uh, comic books. Yeah, oh, Michael Jai White is in this movie. I like Michael Jai White. Yeah. Um, and then the following year, or sorry, two years later, uh, 2005, he does The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. I never saw this one. I've never seen this it This is a remake of uh, like uh, maybe a Burt Reynolds movie. Okay. Um, and then the same year, he has a credit uh, for the soundtrack on uh, for Romance and Cigarettes, a John Turturro movie, oh, uh, because he plays movie. the ukulele and sings on a song called Banks of the Ohio, oh. uh, which I just noted here because I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I remember that movie. Um, so, yeah, he, he has like a few little credits like that as well. That's cool. In 2006, he was in Flags of Our Fathers, directed by Clint Eastwood, and he plays President Truman. Okay, so I have never wanted to see this movie because I could not give a flying fuck about war movies. I apologize to veterans everywhere. But hearing that he plays President Truman in it is the first time I've ever been like, oh, okay, I got to see that movie. I need to know what his President Truman is like. Agreed. 
Um, in 2007, he was in a film called Gardener of Eden uh, with Lucas Haas, who's he's one of those actors that we always recognize in things. Yeah, he pops up in tons yeah. of stuff. Um, and this sounded kind of interesting. Young man on the wrong track suddenly finds purpose in love when he captures a serial rapist. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it sounds fascinating, but I don't know. David Patrick <laughs> Kelly plays Pa Harris. Of course. Why not? And Ann Dowd plays Ma Harris, presumably his wife. Oh, love Ann Dowd. Yeah, she's great. Uh, and then in 2010, he does another Walter Hill movie, uh, Madso's War, uh, which I had never heard of. I never had either, and I've done a lot of research in his career, and it turns out it's because you noted something that is interesting to me. He didn't even credit himself as Walter Hill in this movie. He's yes. credited as Rob Marcus. Yeah. Which makes me think, so this is a TV movie, it looks like. It makes me think like maybe Walter Hill was like slumming it and was like, I'm not really putting my fucking name on this TV movie. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. Such a different name, too. Yeah. Um, I also just noted that he had like a recurring character on uh, Gossip Girl. Uh, which I think is fascinating. <laughs> oh, that, that is wild, actually. Um, he was on a couple different TV shows, um, including one that we've talked about before. It was called like Ghost Writers. It was like a kid show yeah, on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I remember Ghost Yeah, he was I'm on that sure as well. I saw him on that when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, and then in 2014, he's in John Wick. I am a huge John Wick yeah, fan. Yeah, I, I watched John Wick with you and loved it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and he actually, this is one of the only roles I can think of where... I watched this movie multiple times before knowing that it was David Patrick Kelly yeah. playing the role that he plays. He plays like the guy that is like the quote unquote the cleaner, mm. the guy that comes in to clean John Wick's house of all the bodies that John Wick has left there after an action sequence. And, uh, you know, knowing that now, it's like, oh, yeah, of course that's David Patrick Kelly. You know, like when I realized that's who it was, it was immediately evident that that's who it was to yeah. me. But there's something about his costuming and the character. He actually, like, it's one of the few He's times. He's kind of understated. Yeah, it's one of the few yeah. times I can think of where he lets himself sink into the fabric of the movie mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, rise above and out of it. Yeah. And uh, it's actually, I mean, it's like, in some way, it's one of his more impressive roles just as that's the case, yeah. you know? Um, but it, like, feels so fitting that he would be in a movie like this. And, what you know, he's a little older, but yeah. it's, like, kind of these, like, newer genre films. Yep. It's got, like, a lot of interesting fight choreography. Yep. So it, I do like that, like, he was included in this. Um, in 2015, he was in another Spike Lee film called She Rock uh, with Wesley Snipes and Nick Cannon, which I've never seen, and I would love to. I would like to. I, I th I'm uh, only saying this out loud because it's something I didn't know until recently. I believe that the title is meant to be pronounced Chirac, oh. and it's about Chicago and how it's like kind of. I think he's like trying to tie in like our endless war abroad with like an endless war here at home. Mm -hmm. I think I, I only found that out recently, and it made me want to watch the movie. Actually, yeah, because this was really like interesting. it's a modern adaptation of an ancient Greek play. Okay. Uh, oh, the sea trots. Uh, I can't pronounce this is, fucking shit. Clearly. I think this is the one that's about the 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 place where a bunch of women decide they'll stop having sex yeah. with their husbands to. Mm -hmm change the political outcome. Yep. Angela Bassett's in this movie too. Yeah. Like John Cusack's in this movie. Uh, it sounds really interesting. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, obviously worked with him quite a few times. Yeah. Um, in 2016, he was in a film called To Keep the Light, hmm. um, which I had not heard of. Um, yeah, oh, it's a one. guy, it's like about a lighthouse keeper and his wife. Okay. Um, and then he, in 2017, does John Wick 2. 
which remember him even less than this one. Uh, but I think it's interesting that the cleaner character was a recurring. Yeah, character. I mean that's like they're always doing that world building stuff in the John Wick yeah. movies, which I like. Uh, you know, there's so it's like he's like the guy that cleans up after all the crazy crime yeah. scenes. It's a yeah. service that you can hire, basically. Yeah, yeah. For what are they like gold coins? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the same year, he uh, comes back to do Twin Peaks The Return and is so interesting. So weird. So all these years later, his character is just kind of this like uh, this like pothead, like yeah, hippie a, character. He's like a hippie activist stoner kind yeah, of. Yeah, and so most of his role in this is him just being lost in the woods. Yes. Um, well, because it's like Ben seems to be a better actual changed man, yes. if I remember right. Yeah, right? yeah. But then Jerry has, like, kind of lost his mind and is just, like, lost in the woods. Like, I I specifically remember he is there when um, Evil Cooper, like, kills his son. Right. And he's just, like, standing in the background watching it happen, like, stoned out of his mind. And I love the idea that that's included in... Twin Peaks The Return it's like oh yeah you need this like stoner onlooker who has no fucking idea what's yeah, going yeah. on <laughs> but who is like weirdly tied to all of the events that led exactly. to that moment yeah yeah uh he then does a film called The OG uh starring Jeffrey Wright who I fucking love Jeffrey Wright yeah it looks like this was uh like an HBO original movie or something yeah uh, which makes a lot of sense I feel like HBO loves him because he's also on uh uh, what's the fucking show? I don't know. Jeffrey Wright. Uh. Oh, right. Uh, the one about the robots, Westworld. Westworld. There we go. Yep. I knew that. Yeah, and he's fucking fantastic in it. Um. So yeah, I would love. I would love to see this for for both of them. Um. And then this is a film we watched the other day in 2019. He does a VFW. Yeah, directed by Joe Bigos. Joe Bagos. I'm Joe Bagos. Sure yeah. yeah. Uh. Wow. This was a lot of fun. Um, I this okay because this movie. Hold on. I need to look it up because I want to get all of the names yeah. of all of the people that we need to reference yeah there's this was a movie where it was clear that like they were like we're gonna hire all of these old heads who have been in a ton of genre movies and they're gonna get to do like the shit that they're the best at yeah so you got Stephen lang william sadler fred williamson martin covey david patrick kelly uh george went shows up in a small role in this um i think was there somebody else that popped up throughout here i can't remember but yeah, it's so it's like it's all you know, like Stephen Lang. Um, you know, now people would know him from Avatar. He's like the general in Avatar. Um, you've got uh, William Sadler, who people might remember. I mean, probably most people remember him as Death in um, the Bill and Ted movies. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, he was also in um, Demon Knight, I believe the uh, 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 the Knight. Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Fred Williamson it goes back to like so much exploitation. You know, he's in. All of the great black Yeah, this is like movies. legit just a pinata yeah. of like B movie gold. Yeah. Uh, there are like, so many awesome people in this. Uh, I imagine we'll cover Fred Williamson at least at some point oh, on we the show. Have you know? to. Um, but yeah. Who, he's amazing in this movie, also. Oh, yeah. All of them are great. Yes. Um, 
David Patrick Kelly, like his character, like kind of gets shot pretty early on and is then just like dying on a bar for yeah. a lot of the movie. Delivering like goofy lines from his uh, place of death. Which is like such a great role yeah. for him. But then it's another one we talked about where he's kind of just playing like the stoner vet yes. where he's like like taking medical marijuana and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like he sees shit going down and immediately gets like knocked out and like shot by one of the like crazy um drug lords yeah, that yeah. they have to fight they're, it's they're kind of like punks i guess they're yeah. supposed to be um but yeah then he just like sits there and delivers like hilarious lines but we're like man is this just his thing now he's like i'll come to your movie but i'm just gonna like play like i'm just gonna be like the stoner yeah i'm going to bring my weed yeah. and smoke it <laughs> and you will film me doing that which like i mean that's like where everyone should want to end up, yeah, right? Like right. that's the that's the goal. You yeah. just get to come on set, do your fucking yeah. shit, yeah. and have fun. This movie like fell apart for me a little bit as like the longer it went on, but for the purpose of just watching these like great older actors yeah. that are from exactly the kind of genre movies yeah. that we love so much. It is so worth everybody's time. Yeah, like it, it, it's so fun. It, and f- the score is so good. It's very, like, Carpenter-esque. Yeah, um, it's um uh, Steve Moore, the guy that did the score for The Guest. Yeah, so you get, like, this awesome synth soundtrack. You yeah. get all of these, like, amazing B-movie actors who are just, like, delivering, like, one-liner after one-liner. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like, if you're looking for, like, any sort of, like, social commentary or, like, anything, like, you know, a little bit more meaningful, it, like, definitely falls apart. Um, um, there's not even great choreographed action, but like there's tons of bloodshed, yeah. lots of gore. There's good gore in it's this fun. movie. Yeah. Uh, a lot of neon purple lighting, which I'm a big fan of. Yes. Pop tart. Looks great. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then in 2020, he does a film called Fugitive Dreams. Uh, he has a film in post production called Adieu Lacan. And he's currently filming a movie called Night Music. So he's uh, still doing quite a bit of work. Um, Super cool. Yeah, he, he has a quote here, which I really like, kind of to kind of like wrap up his career because it just feels so fitting for uh, the kind of roles he's played over time. Um, he says, uh, we get taught there's a way a hero looks. Then there's a side story of the strange guy, which I think tends to be much more interesting. He is nothing if not the strange guy in every movie I've yeah. ever seen him in. In, like, the best way you can be the strange yeah. guy. He's, like, such a great presence. I love seeing him in movies. He Like, even when he's playing, like, very villainous characters, yeah. he is bringing so much, like, energy to the screen that you're having fun with the villains, yeah. you know? It's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like any role he's in, just prepare for like utter chaos. <laughs> oh yeah, he. I mean, he just is like the, you know, the Charlie Kelly uh, wild card, which is like personified. Yeah, that's it. You yeah. know. Um, yeah, I am so glad he was one of the people we decided on. He was like one of our early kind of like, oh yeah, that, I mean, definitely we do David Patrick Kelly. Yeah. Because uh, he just, I mean, that's the other thing. It's just like this is. Every decade, he's got at least, like, two huge movies yeah. that are still regarded as, like, great cult classics, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, which is incredible. That's, yeah. like... And, again, a guy that actually, you know... I, not that 70 credits is not a lot, but compared to some of the people we've done that have, like, 270 credits, it's a much slimmer margin there, and he's still putting in yeah. this, like, great work and great, working like, well-recognized like movies. Working with, Walter Hill, yeah. walking with Dave, working with David Lynch, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee yep. like, all of these, like, really interesting directors. Yeah. yeah. Rennie Harlan. Yeah. Uh, 
Abel Ferreira. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Very good. Uh, well, I think we should wrap this one up. Did, oh, so. did you want to? I know sometimes you like to go over your sources. I don't know if that like matters to you to put those out there oh, for people. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, there's the the IMDb, which we get a lot of stuff. Um, there's a New York Times article uh, about David Cat- Patrick Kelly that came out in 2017, which has an adorable picture of him in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warriors Movie uh, Co. UK did an interview with him 25 years later, um, and then also sources from um, his own website, davidpatrickkelly.com. Yeah, it looks like we pulled an EW interview as well. Yeah. A couple, couple of things there. Um, yeah, so uh, just so people remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Yeah. Um, you can email us, killerbeespodcast at gmail.com. Suggest some actors, some actresses. We would yeah. really like to find some non-binary people to cover. Um, there's like definitely LGBTQ some... LGBTQ folks. Yeah. yeah um, like we, we pe- want to make sure we yeah. cover the spectrum. Yep. Um, foreign actors as well. Yeah. I know I've been trying to write a few down as we've been watching like some some stuff. But um, yeah, we, we would love to talk about some like different... Yeah. We've been watching like a lot of Giallo. We yep. watch like a lot of like Korean and Japanese films. Yep. So like I've been trying to like slowly, you know, find people that I recognize. We're definitely trying to have like a sort of growing fluctuating list yeah. that is hopefully like pretty representative yep. um, of a lot of different places and people. Yeah. Um, but you can help us with that uh, by emailing us killerbeespodcast at gmail.com with suggestions. Um, and uh, thanks again to Alex Schneider for our work and Christine Rayburn and her partner Pat for our music. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Vitenza. And uh, buzz, buzz, buzz. Buzz. <laughs>